Welcome back to the Black on Black Education Podcast. We want to start off by saying happy, happy new year to all our incredible listeners. Thank you so much for your support. We're going to kick off the year with an incredible conversation with Ms. Shatoya Jones about diversity and inclusion, a topic that is based on the reason why we started Black on Black Education. I'm so excited for you guys to hear it. I'm so excited to get your feedback about it. And I'm so excited for you to see what we have in store for 2020. Happy New Year. Thank you so much and can't wait for a fantastic, fantastic year. Hello, welcome to the Black on Black Education podcast. Um, Just starting out, I want everybody to know I'm a little nasally, got a little sick. So (laughs) my voice is definitely a little raspy today, Um, but I'm super excited for our guest this week. So please let the people know who you are, what you do, and why you do it. Hello, everybody. I am Shatoya Jones. I'm founder and CEO of Ordinary Influence, a diversity and inclusion consultant agency, and I am founder and CEO of the First Ladies of Poverty Foundation. I'm recently um, been crowned Miss Massachusetts 2019 American Woman of Service, and (laughs) yes, I wish it was Louisiana, my home state, but that's all right. Um, What was I saying? Yes. Ordinary Influence, I started that because I felt that there was a gap in diversity and inclusion consulting world. If you look at diversity and inclusion consultants and those who have such and such years under their belt, they are typically of European descent, and for some reason, that really bothers me to know that they are talking about narratives and experiences they probably haven't primarily had, but Mm -hmm. primarily worked with, which is completely different from just it's it's so much it's just so complex and it's a subject that I think those who have been in it should have the conversation with and should be paid to teach on and that's just my opinion I'm not saying they shouldn't be in the room they shouldn't have their voices heard but I don't think they should be the primary audience getting paid to do that type of work um and then we move into the first place of poverty foundation which I started kind of like a reboot of that, but more so for women in the sense to tackle all unique obstacles. So there's so many success coaches out there who are saying, okay, this is how you can get success. You just have to do this. You just have to do that. But we all know for women in ethnic descent, it's not that easy. It's not just follow a rule book. It's not just steps. There's so many microaggressions, things that those people are teaching that they don't even believe exist. Mm. So they're completely ignoring or not even ignoring just being um blind to the obstacles that we would face um in the group in the blueprints that they lay out for success and so i've decided to create the flp to help women at ethnicity with their unique obstacles and their unique circumstances that no one really can understand unless you are a woman at ethnicity trying to better yourself and build wealth um they come to this platform to to really learn how to navigate the world to success with those unique obstacles, knowing that they would face. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. I think it's a conversation that people don't necessarily understand, especially um, people who are not people of color, white people. It's very difficult for you to understand how it feels to walk into a room and see nobody who looks like you or to walk into a space and feel like this detached from your experience and my experience. And so um, oftentimes as we climb up the ladder, you get into spaces and they get whiter and whiter and whiter. And so- Yeah, and I don't wanna, and I don't wanna discount the validity of European experiences in those spaces. Because 
without our allies, we wouldn't be as far. And it's sad to say that, but it's true because our own communities have been brainwashed to turn against each other, to succeed against each other, and to trample on each other to get to the top. And then when we're at the top, we see no one that looks like us for a reason. Mm-hmm. And so I do want to say that I do appreciate our allies who are of European descent, who have helped us get to where we are and who truly believe in the equality of everybody. But at the same time, we also have to say the truth. And it's just that just because you're an ally doesn't necessarily mean you're also not racially biased, if that makes oh, absolutely. sense. Absolutely. And I think like we all are racially biased. And so in having these conversations, it helps unpack that. And I think that's what's so important. It's like I, I have white friends who like are here and they understand the issues and they're like, let's talk about them. Let's get through them. And I appreciate them so much. But they also realize that like one, they can never truly understand the feeling. And two, mm-hmm. that they not only have to speak up for um for marginalized groups, but they also have to give room for marginalized groups. Yeah. Just like, because my voice is heard easier in some, in some spaces, I have to open up my voice to give you a platform to speak in this space so that people can better understand your experience. Exactly. That dynamic with the way that that works is so important. Um, When we're talking about education, when we're talking about uh, the corporate world, when we're talking about colleges and universities, it's, it, it happens throughout all of them. So I think that that was a super important point to bring up, and I appreciate that. So before Thank we start you. talking about uh, First Ladies of Poverty, I want to discuss a little bit more about your experience, your learning experience, um, what school was like for you, um, mm-hmm. and things like that. Like, I just kind of want to know what that felt like for you. Yes. So I grew up in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to a public u- well, not university, I'm sorry. I went to a public school in Louisiana, and it was Carroll High School, Go Bulldogs. And there I wasn't okay. It was considered probably the worst public school or one of the worst public schools in Louisiana. Wow. And we don't have a great reputation. Our students don't have a great reputation. But as you can see, it pulls out amazing, productive citizens. I think that I was one of those students who did truly enjoy learning. Mm. I enjoyed learning for the sake of learning, but I also enjoyed where I thought school would get me. And Mm. that was out of poverty and out of Louisiana. Like even in elementary school, it was so bad that I promised myself that I would go to college out of state debt-free. And so education was like my ticket way out. Like it was where I, I didn't want to be, at the home I was at. I didn't want to be in the space I was at. I didn't want to be in the environment I was in. I wanted bigger and better things for myself. Mm-hmm. And I thought education was going to get me there. Awesome. And so I worked my butt off in school. Um, I was always doing spelling bees. I was very competitive, mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes unnecessarily so, but I was very competitive. Um, and with my grades, that was no different. Mm-hmm. And again, it was more so because in my head, it wasn't really about the grades per se. It was more so about where those things would get me in the future. And so I wanted to be the best of the best at it. And I think I was. I was one of them anyway. Mm-hmm. And so that, yeah, that's where my passion for education comes from, my life experiences and where I thought it would get me. Kind of like where people think, you know, a college degree would get them or money would get them. For me, it was just knowledge in general. Like if I knew how to navigate the world, if I knew more about the world, if I knew more about people, then I can get to where I wanted to be. And that was through education that I thought I would get there. Absolutely. And do you, is there anything 
in particular that kind of instilled that in you? Because I think that uh, one of Black on Black Education's main goals is to figure out how you get that feeling into students, into more mm-hmm. students. How do we get that feeling of like knowledge and understanding and education and critical thinking and all of these different things that like we want schools to be teaching and that we want education to really be like instilling in people. Um, mm-hmm. we're, we're trying to figure out with all these conversations what sets you apart, you knowing and understanding mm-hmm. that learning was the, your way out. Um, what was that thing for you, if you can think of something? Um, I want to say, okay, one, my personality, I've always been a bookworm. I've always been into like reading and escaping through literature. So I think I had a different perception of what reading was or like what reading could do or what knowledge could do. Like some people are like, oh, go to school, ugh sitting in classes, listening to teachers, dealing with whatever I'm dealing with at school. For me, it was like, okay, I can get away from home. I have time to breathe. I could be myself. I could speak my mind. Like I was able to like speak up. I wasn't able to do that at home. So mm-hmm. for me, I think I saw school differently than what a lot. When they went home, they probably had parents where, or maybe their parents weren't at home and they could do whatever they wanted. Mm-hmm. Or maybe, because I know a lot of people who were ready for school to be over. I wanted school to be longer. Mm-hmm. And so... I think our different experiences growing up to our upbringings, what we were allowed to do, the restrictions that we had, and all my personality, I really wanted to travel, I wanted to do a lot of things, I wanted to get involved in extracurricular activities, I wasn't allowed to do that, so I ended up doing stuff on my, like, I ended up doing stuff on a low, like, on my lunch break, or after school, when I was supposed to be working, I would work and also work on extracurricular stuff, Mm -hmm. and so I think I think it's just our different experiences. But what I would say, I do think I have an idea as to how we can get the students in there. And I don't know if this will ruin it by saying it. But I think if we can apply everything to wealth building, which is what we're all going to school for, Mm -hmm. to get great jobs, or that's what they tell us, to get great jobs, to do this, to do that. If we can figure out a way to connect all those things to actually real life situations, what are they going through in life? And what are their goals? Like, we never ask students, what are your goals? And if we do, we say, what do you want to be in five years? We don't even know that. Like, we think we do, but it changes with life. And so what are your goals? What is your dream job? What is your dream amount of money you want to make? Okay, let me show you how education can get you there. Let me show you how if you learn this trade, you can get there. Let me show you how quickly you can bypass so many people to get to where you want to be, how you can climb up that ladder faster. And even with FLP, or the first place of poverty, how can you use your unique challenges? Because they'll also say, well, you don't understand because you're older, or you don't understand because I go through this. Also being real and telling our own stories in the classroom. I think there's so much professionalism and so many boundaries. And thank goodness I went to Carroll High School because sometimes it wasn't that. Like we were family and it felt like family at times. And even though I couldn't go to like my mom for something, I could go to Miss Benjamin, who was the secretary, and I think there's so much professionalism that sometimes students don't feel that they can truly go to you and that they can, they will truly get something productive out of it. So, and that's education included. Yeah, no, that, that's yeah, that's definitely it. And a lot of what you said, I like resonated with because my home life growing up was like there was yelling and fighting and all just sorts of crazy stuff always happening in the home, and it was just like the place where I excelled being the extrovert that I am, like, yeah, at school, 
thought you were fun yeah. and people thought I was cool and like and got good <laughs> grades and I was on the honor roll and I got stars on my board and so it was that positive reinforcement that like yes you're doing the right things here and then when you go home you feel like you're doing the wrong things and so I just wanted to be in the yeah. I was doing something right and um, yeah yes. I, I definitely yeah. resonate with that and I think that that key piece is so important because some students that I've worked with they've ex they've expressed to me the feeling of never feeling like they were doing anything right in school everything yeah. they did was wrong every time they talked every time they moved every time they didn't want to go to this class or every time they didn't feel comfortable answering that question they were demonized for it and so mm -hmm. that feeling with school was I'm always doing something wrong here and nobody wants to feel like they're wrong all the time and right. I think that that is super, super important. I think it's also a really great segue into the next question. Um, and you bringing up First Ladies of Poverty, your mission mm -hmm. statement, educate, seek, truth, heal. Like, mm -hmm. amazing. Like, please explain to the listeners what this means and why it's important to your organization and what you guys are trying to accomplish. Yeah, so going back to like the positive reinforcement, I'm not trying to make education cool because the thing is we all know there are a lot of students and young adults who see education as not cool and for many reasons. And so when we talk about the education system, which are two different things, then okay, I get that. But when we're talking about just learning. I love I love that word. Learning in general because it means progress. It means you haven't gotten there yet. And for me, I don't believe I would ever truly get there, but I would know enough to get build the life of my dreams and build a better future for myself and my loved ones. Mm -hmm. So yeah. educate means to educate you on what it truly means to learn. It's not just being in the classroom, absorbing information, not being able to ask questions or be told you're wrong if you challenge something in a textbook. It's actually learning through research, through, challenge, through, bring, through challenging me as your instructor or your teacher, or in this case, your cultural mentor. Like I I'm also a student as well as an instructor or a teacher. And that's what true learning education is. Mm -hmm. And in that, we can move on to healing. So once we establish these fundamental principles of, so for instance, if you were to come to me as a mentor for SLP, we would establish a few things in terms of mindset. So how we are to think about learning and education, how we are to talk to each other, you are just as important as I am, maybe even more, but obviously that's just positive reinforcement to get you to think more, um, to get you to think more, what's the word, more respectable things about yourself so yeah. that I don't have to keep telling you that. Yeah. And then we move into healing. In that, in that direct relationship, you begin to heal because there's so many things we've been taught about people. There's so many things we've learned about people over the years that sometimes it can get discouraging to believe anyone out there really cares about you or mm -hmm. really cares about your life or where you're going, where you've been, um, and how you're going to get there. But I think the healing comes with that process of just, you know, developing genuine relationships, finding someone you can trust and talk to and be human with, and then allowing them to kind of help guide you as well as you guide them. So it can be a one-way street. And then the seeking truth. In that healing, you have to find truth. You have to face yourself. You're not just what's good about you, which is where we start, but also where the demons are and mm -hmm. the skeletons. And what are the traumas? What are the things you haven't necessarily talked about or haven't faced? Because in our community, we're told what goes in this house stays in this house. What happens here, you don't talk about. Or... You know, we just don't talk at all in our families. We hold everything in and we go to other sources and things to figure it out. For me, it was education, but some people, like you said, don't feel valued there. 
So they go to boys or they go to drugs or they go to alcohol and we're criminated for that. And then they get, so it's just never any cycle because we haven't educated ourselves properly, healed ourselves properly and sought truth. We're in denial about a lot of things, including our history. And so, yes, that's what, it's like a never ending personal development, professional development and um, wealth development process that we're trying to break and create. That's beautiful. Um, and so kind of just moving um, even further with that, you guys have a, a very unique perspective on looking at and using learning, using education, using self-development to build yeah. for marginalized communities. And so just explain like a very little bit about the wealth gap in this country and how the implications of that um, still persist, especially for marginalized folks, especially from people from minority um, racial and ethnic um, groups. What does that look like? And what are some of the things that you guys are doing um, to help women escape that poverty? Yeah. So the first thing I think you said, explain the gap. Yeah. So the gap, it's, it's actually for me, I don't think it's really explainable. And maybe I'm just not competent enough at this point to explain it. But it's so large, like it's incomprehensible how large this gap really is because I'm still undoing historical trauma as well Mm -hmm. and like generational trauma and I'm still seeing wealth in different ways and I'm still and so there's still so much learning to do I know the gap is just like incomprehensible for where I am in my life right now but I will say it is super large there is really no middle class and we get tripped up because we believe once we hit a certain amount of money in our job that you know we're doing well off but we're working such and such hours. We're missing time with our families. We are burned out and exhausted all the time. We're depressed all the time. We don't really like our jobs, but we like the money that it gives. Mm-hmm. And for me, I want to take away the mindset with the FOP. I want to take away the mindset of money and wealth and separate the two. Mm. And that is very hard for those of us who grew up in poverty for what, excuse me. I also have like a nasal thing going on here. It's very hard to separate money and wealth for those who are living in poverty or underserved communities because for them, that's what they lack. That's, that's what is at the root of their problems. And so money is where I need to get. And so we get into the cycle of assimilation because, like you said, the higher we go, the more we see faces who don't look like us, the more we have to assimilate more to look like those people, whether it be our hair, our clothing, our voices, whatever it may, may be, to climb that ladder. And so... We continue stripping away things that aren't us, that aren't the truth. We continue miseducating ourselves in education that isn't meant for us to succeed, but meant for us to simply be successful enough that we don't threaten the system in existence. Mm -hmm. And this is why I say it's incomprehensible because there's so many layers to it that if we continue to talk about it without breaking down everything, Somebody's going to kick you. They're like, what is she talking about? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the point, right? That's, that's why it's set up so complex. And that's why we, it starts with education and not just in the classroom, yep. but research, challenging the system, challenging what you know, challenging what you think you know, um, connecting with other people and learning your history, not the history they teach you in school, mm-hmm. but your real history. Because we started out as kings and queens, literally. Africa is a wealthy continent. It is not a country. That is another thing. (laughs) It is very diverse. It is a diaspora. There's so much to us as people. And then 
being spread out all over the world and then seeing ourselves in different cultures and wondering how that can be and bringing that over and realizing we are more valuable than we think when we see how much of our culture has influenced the economy that we live in. We just haven't been given the credit and recognition for it. And the problem is we've become used to it mm. so much that we don't even see it anymore. And other and the other culture or the other people have become insensitive to it because that's just how it is. Mm. And so we have to get to a point where we we just got to break down everything. We just got to sit down, we got to talk, and we got to break down everything. And it starts with separating money from wealth. Because once we do that, we can start opening the doors to more possibilities as to what wealth could look like and then how we could get there. And that would take some digging back into our history, our personal histories, our cultural histories, um, the ethnic identities, why we identify or don't identify with something. For instance, I went through a period where I didn't want to identify with African-American, and that was tied to my ideas of like money and wealth and what I was taught. And so, yeah, it, it's a lot. That yeah. gap is huge. <laughs> I think like you touched on so many different things that are extremely important to this conversation because so often people in communities that don't understand their true history, they think mm-hmm. that they think that it's them that is an yeah. issue. Which like of course all of us have to do that self exploration to get to the point where we are building wealth, we're accumulating and we're not just consumers, but we are also creators and cultivators. Um, it takes yeah. a lot of exploration to get there. But if we start to embrace um embrace the work of our ancestors then we start to be we start to be able to understand like these people were doing incredible things Mad- madam cj walker yeah. was the first woman in american history period not white black and indifferent in, in american history period to make a million dollars and so when even you- with all the restrictions Absolutely. we gotta add that in there she didn't even have the resources of her counterparts and colleagues and still she was the first and exactly and so i think that the same way that we see um we see other other communities building each other up, lifting each other up, and taking that information, yeah. you know, and passing it down. Now we are seeing so many people who look like us on social media, on the internet, on TV that are they're starting to understand this. They're starting to understand venture capital. They're starting to understand um, the importance of entrepreneurship. They're starting to understand the importance of again, not just getting a high paying job that allows you to buy the next iPhone every time, but that allows you to buy a house and then pass that house on to your children. And yeah. those um, th- that those wealth markers that other other communities have because of the because of our historical context. And so again, like honing into that historical piece um, for so many other groups, where they're told to like embrace your leaders and love and love this and love this about your history and love these things, and then but we're not taught that because oftentimes in yeah. school we're taught whitewashed. Um, we're, we're, we're just, we're taught whitewashed ideas of how history worked and how things happened. And so yeah. I love the idea of your organization really honing in on like, let's take a look at this specific community and what is the best practices on passing down the knowledge that we have to people who look like us who might not have access to that information otherwise. Um, yeah. And, and I witnessed an account of that. I was working at a school in Springfield and they were doing this good morning show and this the kid was talking about like the the Atlanta slave trade and the underground railroad and like the indentured servants and things of that nature and I, the way and i know 
I know, I know it couldn't have just been him. But the way he said it, the way he talked about it was just there were a lot of farmers who worked and picked the crop mm-hmm. for I was I was so I was so bothered by that because that's exactly how history is taught. It's like we were just farmers or you know, it's a very romantic view of mm-hmm. what that time actually was. And that yeah, that is why I say education is super important as well. Like I'm sorry, when you said that it kind of conjured up that image and you're so right. It is definitely whitewashed. Like it it's they don't want to take the blame, the fall for what actually was. Mm-hmm. And you still see that today when people are like, just forget it, times have moved on. But if you look in the news, times have not moved on. And if we're going to be real, real about it, it's only been, what, 50 years? Even a, a human being doesn't change their habits and lifestyle for 50 years. A person can go their lifetime without changing their habits and feelings and beliefs, whether they're toxic or not. And What's to say, how are we going to say society has moved on that quickly? Mm-hmm. That, that just bothers me so much. Absolutely. And I think like that, the key part that, that um, is coming up there is just the idea that like, there is something to having truth and reconciliation. They did it in Germany. They did it in South Africa. And the United States is just having a hard time doing that. And it's, it's very interesting to me how it's, if we're talking about, if we're talking about statues of, of Confederate soldiers, we don't want to let mm-hmm. go of that history, but we're supposed to mm-hmm. let go of the history that still has uh, wealth, wealth factors, that still has housing factors, that still has all these different implications are still persisting. At the same time that, that, that Black people were in bondage was the same time that, um, that Europeans coming from other countries were getting a, an acre and a mule. And so it's just mm-hmm. like, I'm not saying let's blame all white people who are alive right now for what happened then. Mm-hmm. Not. I'm saying let's United States who were supposed to be united, this melting pot, this is how we market ourselves. I'm saying let's say this happened in the same way that you want to embrace your history of, mm-hmm. of, of, of global expansion and all these different things that the United States has done. The same way that we want to embrace that history, let's embrace the history of this is, this is the implications of things like slavery, of redlining, of Jim Crow. These are the implications of, of pushing Native Americans out of their homes. Um, like that's mm-hmm. the history. And now as a United States, as a team, as a country that's supposed to be the best in the world, we are uplifting each other and not tearing each other down and not denying each other's experiences and denying each other's humanity by telling people that you should forget these things, but remember these ones because they're important to us. If it's important to you as somebody who's supposed to be my fellow American, it should be, we should figure out how to make that conversation easier. And I know it's going to be super hard to get there, but your mission, educate, seek truth and heal. That is so like embracing that every day. If every person in the United States embraced that idea every day to educate themselves, to keep that learning process going, to seek truth and understanding of why do I think this way? Why do I understand the world this way? And then to heal from all of the things that that history has put on us and all of the things that history has, has all the implications that history has on how our country currently operates. And then we when we do that, we all see each other a little bit better. And so that's why I like when, when I, when we had our first conversation, I was just like, 
enamored and then going through your website, like by the clarity of the issue and the clarity of these are the steps that we have to take in order to get to where we want to be. Um, and yeah, I just, I just love it. And so yeah. the, the next question, it's not even really a question. It's more just kind of like giving people some more context about your organization. Um, okay. you're, you guys have very clear objectives and I just want to share a few of them with the people. So to make basic okay. needs education opportunity more accessible in underserved communities, to equip women of color with the mindset and tools they need to live a happy, fulfilling, and financially stable life despite being the last to be considered and more targeted for hate crimes, to celebrate and actively support women of color working to alleviate poverty, and to support social entrepreneurship and awareness of social good employment opportunities. Explain to people when you guys were creating these objectives and when you were coming up with kind of like, what's the, f the fundamental message that, um, that the first, the first women of poverty, the first ladies of poverty, excuse me, were trying to create. Why were these uh, specific things so important to be implemented? Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know that was a mouthful. <laughs> I tried to handle that very gracefully. Um, all right, so the first one in terms of basic needs. First Lines of Poverty actually started as a basic needs programming mm. organization. And what, we, well, what I wanted to do was make sure that I could create a formula for basic needs in the U.S. because my whole thing was about poverty and poverty alleviation. Mm. Then I realized there are a lot of European Americans using entitlement programs, but they're just not talked about and recognized. So actually, maybe I should, I should really dive in and hone in. So it's kind of like a refinement of the communities I want to work with. And that became women at ethnic descent because we're still at the bottom. And I have research to prove it. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I realized that, I was like, okay, so maybe... I definitely still want to do poverty, but maybe I should just focus on women of ethnic descent. I wanted to do women of African descent, because, but I realized that if I did that, I would be leaving out other... So it was a long thought process. It was like, okay, if I did that, I would be leaving out other women of ethnic descent. I really want to encourage all women, but at the same time, I want to focus on women of African descent because they're at the very bottom. And if we can understand their stories and their narratives and their struggles, then we can understand all women's struggles because it is, it includes all women's struggles. So anytime you hear, for instance, with the feminist movement, mm -hmm. European women saying that, you know, we understand your struggle and we're trying to help you. If we can understand the African American struggle, then we can understand, I think, all women's struggles. And we can develop a, fund, a foundation to understanding all women's struggles. And that could be a stretch for me saying that, but I truly believe it, and so far it has worked. And so, moving on to the entrepreneurship and the, um, what was the other one? Awareness of social good. Yes, the awareness of social good and the creating a better future for themselves, even though they are not celebrated, recognized, and are more targeted for hate crimes. So, like I said before, we are not, we have done so many things, but we're not credited and recognized for. We've been the influence of so much in pop culture, we've been in, and was not in pop culture, and of so many conversations, but we're never given credit for it. And I've also witnessed that in my personal life, 
where I've done things or I've said things or I've suggested things and then it's been taken to the forefront, but I never got credit for it. And so the FLP Foundation, actually we do awards and we do annual awards. And if you go on the Get Involved page, you can nominate women and, women and women of ethnic descent in your community who are doing amazing things. And every year, starting in 2020, we're going to have a gala where we give out grants and scholarships for these women to actually continue their work and to be recognized for their work. And then we have a FOP Hall of Service where we, instead of a Hall of Fame, instead of just being like priding you for being rewarded so many times or for being popular, because as we know, women in the think can still get rewards. Hello, Beyonce. It mm-hmm. should not be at the forefront of social media or be at the forefront of what's trending or et cetera. And so our Hall of Fame would actually recognize, our Hall of Service would recognize these women who are doing amazing things in their community and give the upcoming generation something to see, not just in the past, but also what's happening now. Mm. We also have our community ambassadors and our campus ambassador program that will allow our women to start things in their communities that they're passionate about or to continue doing it with our support. And that's mentorship, that's funding, and they can also make extra income for their households. So it's also job opportunities for our communities, by our communities. Then we have our internship program. So they know, like, if they come here, they're definitely going to get credit and recognition for what they do, and they're also going to get a small stipend. Mm. We have our become a sponsor. So, if you know, there are women at African descent, African descent to be specific at this point, um, who want to sponsor things that are actually supporting their communities. Well, they know, if, well, if they do know, the First Lady of Poverty Foundation is for us, by us, then they have the opportunity to sponsor us, and so there's no excuse there. We're always saying we need to support each other. There are so many ways to get involved and to support each other, and I think that's pretty much what it's about. It goes back to community. And that's something we haven't really been taught going back to education, why it's so important, learning, why it's so important. That's something we haven't been taught. In fact, you know, in our history, our families were broken up. Um, if a African slave or, yeah, if two African slaves had a child, that child could be sold, probably was sold, and then the man would get beaten. So then a woman would see the man in the very, there's just so much to the dynamic of community in our community that we don't see plays out in our everyday and so that's what we're teaching essentially community to wealth community and positive impact equals unimaginable wealth that's like the formula that we're trying to teach and not just saying because we have we can talk a lot so we often say oh yeah girl power or i'm proud of you that's my sister etc but when it comes to supporting emotionally financially whatever then we're gone or when it's time to climb up the ladder we don't support them and so with our communities, if you were to get involved, like we have principles and foundations and a mindset that you have to take on in order to be a part of us. We don't just accept just anybody, and we don't assume just because you're a woman that ethnic descent or African descent that you are actually for the community. Because mm-hmm. we know that some of us are still assimilating and are still seeing as European is better. And unfortunately, yeah, we've been taught it, but you can also unlearn it if you want to. And we are here to help you do that and to find a community that loves you for you and is willing to help you succeed as who you are and who you want to be, as long as that person is in harmony with our values and our mission. Mm. That's amazing. And I think, like, you answered, like, three questions in that, so that was perfect. (laughs) 
um, because I wanted to know how they could get involved with you guys. So you definitely uh, pinpointed all of that. And um, you talked a lot about like the importance of teaching these different things to young people and to people who are older and for people to mm-hmm. get to go back and say okay how can I reflect on how I've lived my life thus far and how I can take it from where I am to the next level and so Mm -hmm. I just think the only thing like only additional thing that I wanted to add to what you said is just the things that you're teaching um are mm-hmm. incredible and they're and it's so great that this stuff is online and that you can and that you and that pe- it's more readily available to people than than in times past and we know that like once people get that degree oftentimes it's like all right this is my education right here on this paper that I got that I paid for and like now mm-hmm. like yeah I'll read this article or yeah I'll watch this this TED talk but like the that active learning all the time sometimes it stops and that mm-hmm. the, guys are really highlighting the point of that not stopping and I just wanted to say that like one day when I create my own school um the I'm thing ready <laughs> the things that you're teaching it's imperative that they be a part of the school building because again in curriculums if people do not see themselves seen and they and in the fast changing society that we are living in it is so important that yeah. we're like the quadratic formula is cool if you want to be an engineer but if every person yes. that walks in the building walks out knowing the quadratic formula, but doesn't walk out knowing the importance of wealth over a, over a dollar or understanding the importance of having good credit or understanding the importance of, of buying a house and, ha- and, and having these things that you can pass down to your family, because it's not to say that Black people and other marginalized communities have not done incredible things. It's a matter of learning those skills to make that a generational thing and to escape yeah that we talked about those those generational curses and so like this conversation has been super dope just from I think it's so important that we implement so much of what you guys are doing into curriculums in schools especially in marginalized communities because we see the research it's done that the expectations for students of color students from low-income households um, are not to the same caliber that they are of middle class and upper middle class and wealthy students that we are expecting those kids to excel and succeed and we're expecting our kids not to and so when we put this stuff into school we are expecting them to be great. We're expecting them to build wealth and we're expecting them to break those generational curses while reaching back and making sure that they lift up the generations to come. Um, yeah. And setting those expectations, like that's another thing too. Like our, our communities are not expected to do well. And oftentimes we internalize those expectations and we only seek to live up to what's been told that we can't do. However, if our community, and honestly, I think that's why a lot of ethnic groups historically have a leg up on us because the Latin communities, you know, they put family above career most times, like as a culture, that's just what they represent. Like you always see Latin communities getting together, supporting each other, mm-hmm. having family outings and dinners. And family like you always see, and, yeah, yeah, the families at home together. And like, even in media, like it's not represented in white Hollywood, but just in media in general, like social media, and you see Latin communities, but then you go on the, the African-American community pages, and it's not the same. And it's, mm-hmm. it's different in Africa, which is com- also a, a whole different topic. Mm-hmm. In many parts of Africa, it's different. But, yeah, it's, it's just crazy how also we have to emphasize community, like mm-hmm. community above everything, because that is what's going to lead you to that wealth, that network, 
is going to be more important to you and what you learn and continue to learn is going to be more important to you than that money and that wealth because money can always be remade. Wealth can be built over time. Mm, absolutely. And I think that's But community a- takes forever. Yeah. No, yeah, I think that's a perfect spot to just be like, that is the nugget that I that I definitely want people to take from this. And as Black on Black education grows, um, I think that that's the super important piece that we um, think is necessary. Like, we hear people say that it takes a village, and it really, really does. Nobody does. <laughs> Nobody who's at yes. the out there by themselves. And so just to round yes. out... Um, I just want to ask if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, anything that you want to share with um, us at Black on Black Education. Um, no, I mean, if you guys want to start a chapter in your community, that would be fantastic. Um, if you want to know more about the upcoming events and how you can get involved, that would be awesome. If you want to know more about our services, that would be great. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to partner together in some way, I know like Black on Black Education is in the works, but maybe like partnering in mentorship or I don't know, whatever it is you need, like that is available to you. And this conversation was great. Like I haven't had a conversation like this in a very long time. So this was fantastic. Awesome. I'm glad that you had a good time. I'm glad that people are going to be able to listen and hear about what you guys are doing and I'm I'm glad to have been able to share this last however long this conversation has been an hour or so <laughs> uh, with you because again having these conversations is just the start and then yep. you ha- you hang up I hang up and we're going out there then and what? making ourselves better so that we can help make other people better and that's I mean that's what exactly that's what it's all about. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your insight. And I am Thank looking you. forward to working together in the future. Yes, thank you as well. This was amazing. Yeah, I need, we need to establish some kind of girl group, girl chat, just to talk. Like, this is great. This was amazing. And it wasn't just venting and ranting, but it was actually like practical solution solving. So, Absolutely. yeah, That's we need to do that. Mm-hmm. That's what y'all are trying to do. That's what we're trying to do. It's moving away from that. Okay, these are our grievances because we have those and they're valid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's that let's let's move together, grind together, and and make the changes that we want to see. So thank you again. Have a great rest of your day, and we will definitely be in touch soon. Bye. Okay, thank you so much. Bye. <laughs>